We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Into the first episode of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast for the 2023 NFL season. I am Nick Whalen, joined as always by my esteemed co host, the great John McKechnie down in Atlanta, Georgia. John, we are back, baby. We've been anticipating this day really since we, we did our last pod of the 2022 season ahead of the Super Bowl. Uh, I can say for me, this was the highlight of my week every single week uh, during last year's NFL season. And Looking forward to doing it again. Uh, you know, this is going to be a uh, futures-focused episode, so we'll talk win totals. You know, we'll, we'll talk you know, our favorite team bets, player awards, league leaders, things of that nature. But starting next week, we'll be on our regular schedule. We'll be recording uh, either Thursday or Friday to preview every single week of the season. We'll give you our favorite bets against the spread. We'll give you our survivor thoughts. Uh, I'll be playing in the Circa Million contest this year, so we'll be talking through uh, how we want to. Uh, hopefully win that one and you know bring home like six million dollars or whatever the top prize is but uh, a lot to look forward to on the horizon and i'm just very very excited to be back in the saddle with you hey likewise you know that this was um a, a really fun pod that you know we we i guess there, there have been gambling focused nfl pods here at rotowire before but mm. you know th- this was the first one that you and i got got to do together and yeah like you said it's it's a lot of fun every week you know the nfl season uh, it, not that anyone needs to, to pour one out for, for us that, that work in the sports industry, but it's a little bit stressful uh, during football season. There's, there's just a lot of stuff to do. So getting like the, the hour to, to just sort of spill, spill my guts about the slate every week, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. So I'm excited to, to be back in the saddle, like you said, and, and I think getting our feet wet, uh, doing a, a good uh, thorough overview of some futures that we like for this season. We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll wet the appetite, you know, get, get everyone ready. Uh, and then week one kicks off next week. And uh, yeah, then it, it's, uh, it's go time. Yeah. Then it's, it's full on sickle mode for us here at the road wire sports betting podcast. You know, we, we toyed with the idea of, you know, maybe wrapping our you know, futures episode into week one. And we're like, well, do we really want the listeners to have to sit through like a six hour podcast? So, I think we made the right call uh, separating these two. And uh, next week, we will focus exclusively on week one. I mean, the schedule the schedule might be a little fluid first few weeks of the season. Uh, we, we have a, a certain bachelor party coming up in a couple of weeks. We both have a ton of weddings uh, all over the place that we're involved in. But we'll be giving you an episode every single week. Uh, so you can you can find that, by the way, uh, just in the regular Rotowire podcast feed, NFL podcast. You know, We're not doing a separate feed for this one. So Hopefully you've been subscribing to that. There's been a ton of great preseason content coming out under the Rotowire football podcast feed. And this is where you will find us every week. With that said, John, let's get into it. Uh, I, I want to start with some win totals. Uh, we each have a few that we could talk through. We'll then get into some of our division winner bets. You know, we could tie that into to conference winners, Super Bowl. Uh, then we'll move on to some of the individual uh, futures bets that we like. But I'm going to start with one that I've been trumpeting all over the place. Uh, I was I was on Better Sports uh, yesterday. I was on Veasan last week. I, I've been talking about it. I feel like every night on the Sirius XM show, the Atlanta Falcons over eight and a half wins. I'm also okay betting them to make the playoffs. Uh, maybe would even dabble in the Falcons to win the NFC South. Although I think the Saints uh, kind of deserve incumbent status there. But 
Um, I, I, I'm not even that high on the Falcons. I'm just really high on the schedule that this yes. team has. Uh, they, they, had, they had a relatively tough schedule last season, a, a lot of difficult games sprinkled in outside of the division. That could not be further from the case this season, John. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL on paper. And you can look at it and just you know point out some of the bad teams that they play. But I, I think looking at the quarterbacks is a better way to evaluate that. They play, in my mind, I think they have three, maybe four above league average quarterbacks on the entire schedule, weeks one through 18. And if you look at the first seven games of the year, these are the quarterbacks that they face. Bryce Young in his first NFL start, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence. That's not an easy one. CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield. So I I think there's a real possibility that Atlanta could start this season something like five and two. And if, if that's the case, you're set up really well to get to at least eight wins. Man, I mean, the city, you might even be able to tell that Falcons fans exist down here um, if, they, if they get off All that 5-2 right. and two start. It, All right. they, they, I'm, just, I'm, I'm bagging on Falcons fans more than anything. Like They, they just do not have uh, the presence you would expect of an NFL yeah. team uh, down here. But, no, I'm totally with you there. I mean, like you said, strength of schedule based on you know projected win totals easiest schedule that there is I, I love the angle of you know catching all these you know uh, either bad unproven or otherwise quarterbacks uh through that first um almost half of this season and i think that there's something to be said for you know the falcons they should be better this year it, it a lot of it depends on how desmond ritter is able to you know fully uh embrace and take over the, this starting role but you have drake london you have kyle pitts back you have B. John Robinson. You have an offensive line that's probably the best in the division. That helps. Uh, they, they did well in free agency to kind of bolster um, the roster. Still not sure what the pass rush really looks like for them, but bottom line, they are mm-hmm. nothing worse than an average team. And so an average team could certainly produce an average result, yeah. such as nine wins this year, especially when the schedule is that easy. Yeah, again, it, for me, it's not even that I love the Falcons that much. It's just I, I love the schedule, and I, I, I like I like the skill position guys too, right? I, I mean, I, I think between Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, uh, you have you know, three premier talents at three premier offensive positions. And, you know, of course, like a lot of teams, their, their season is going to hinge on how a young quarterback develops. But, you know, to me, this is not – it's not like a Jordan Love situation where you're, you're looking for signs of Desmond Ritter. Like, is he a star? Can he be the guy that, that can single-handedly win you games? Like, the, the investment that Green Bay has in Jordan Love, you, you need him to be a star for this to to end up looking like a decent uh, draft pick. Whereas with Ritter, I, I don't think he has to be anything special. I, I think he could be a slightly below-average quarterback, and that's probably just fine uh, as far as, you know, what you're expecting from him, as far as what you're asking him to do, and what I think will, again, be a very – run heavy offense and you know you mentioned that defense I don't love the defense but they, they at least made an effort to improve it right you bring in a couple of veterans at Bud Dupree and Calais Campbell in that front seven you bring in uh, one of the more impactful I think defensive acqu- uh, acquisitions that any team made this offseason in Jesse Bates so you know they won seven games last year I, I don't think it's it's too much to ask uh, to try to get to to nine wins or, or maybe even ten wins in this division and the last thing I'll say you know I mentioned they had a tougher schedule last year I mean, these were some of the teams that they had to face that are, are just not a part of the schedule in 2023. They played the Rams in week two. That was at the time that we thought the Rams were a Super Bowl contender before everything mm-hmm. completely fall apart. Uh, they played the Seahawks, the Browns. Uh, obviously, they play the Buccaneers this year, but it's a completely different version of the Tampa, Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they faced last year. They had to play the 49ers, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Ravens. You know, for the most part, all of those games uh, all out of division are significantly easier this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that Ravens Falcons game, my family and I wussed out. We were we were going to go to that game. It was the Saturday um, of Christmas weekend. Uh, I believe it was the coldest game at kickoff uh, ever played at uh, at M and T Bank Stadium. So we were like, uh, no, no, thank you. So Falcons as a dome team, uh, that must have been particularly uh, unpleasant uh, for them. That was a chilly game. Uh, by the way, you were you were at a Falcons game within the last week, right? What, yeah, I, what the heck, I sure what the was. What were you doing at a Falcons preseason game? So, as luck would have it, one of my buddies down here is actually a big Steelers fan, and so he he was trying to rally the a group together to to go to the Falcons uh, Steelers preseason game. Uh, there were maybe ten thousand people at that game, and at least seven thousand of them were Steelers fans. So uh, it was a very Steeler heavy uh, commute over to the Benz. And uh, a very uh, uninspired half of 
uh, preseason football that I stuck around to watch before. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Hey, it is what it is. I mean, the Falcons were playing nobody in that game, and the, and the Steelers were playing their first team offense. I mean, that was that was as great as as, as you're ever going to see a, a preseason offense look. Um, all right, so I, I gave you the Falcons. Uh, g- give me a win total that you like. All right, let's uh, let's dig in here. My my first win total to discuss. It's going to be the Buffalo Bills, hmm. and they their number sits at ten and a half, which I, I was surprised by. You know, the, I would have thought that they would have been. Um, regarded in that same tier as like the the Eagles and the Chiefs where their number um, is 11, 11 and a half, some, or 11 and a half. Yeah. Um, but the bills, I just, I, maybe I'm, I'm overly critical and, and overly anecdotally or overweighting this anecdotal evidence from their playoff game last year. But the, the way that they end the season uh, just getting pushed around at home in the snow uh, against a, a Bengals team that had backup offensive linemen playing that that seems bad and then there, there was you know all the drama with Stefan Diggs over the course of this offseason I'm not sure that they really made their roster a whole lot better this offseason either through the draft um, I, I thought that Dalton Kincaid was sort of a luxury pick that they didn't really have I thought that they, they really needed to do something like especially with the defensive interior depth in this mm-hmm. class, I thought that, that t- you know, getting someone that, that can plug the run a little bit better, and those guys were available at that part of the first round. They instead take a guy in Dalton Kincaid when they already have Dawson Knox. I'm just not sure that that, that, that is going to work out if it helps them uh, to, to win immediately. They, they bring in Osiris Torres, one of the one of the better offensive guard prospects in this class. That, that should help um, uh, to an extent, but I'm still not sold that they're able to run the ball period. Um, you know, James Cook, is, as they're starting running back, I'm, I'm dubious on him for, for fantasy. And I feel like, um, you know, Damian Harris, you might be able to get some stuff done. We'll see if Josh Allen holds up over the course of the season, if the mm-hmm. Bills are serious about the idea of him, uh, you know, maybe not trying to go Superman every single play and, you know, kind of exposing himself uh, to more contact than, than I think Bills fans and the Bills front office alike um, would appreciate. And, you know, similar to uh, your point about the Falcons schedule and not that the Bills, you know, in a neutral setting would would lose to too many teams, but they still have, I believe it's the sixth or seventh uh, hardest schedule, um, according to uh, win Vegas win totals on their schedule. I think that's going to be really a, a challenging gauntlet for them. I think the division around them has gotten a lot better. The Jets are, are, are a legit threat last year. The Jets beat them last year even so um you have the dolphins uh if they're if they're able to stay at full strength they're gonna be tough and then uh the patriots who we'll get to in a minute um not sexy but a very unpleasant team to play against so like it wouldn't shock me to to see the bills go 500 in the division for example and they could if that happens then i think we're, we're sailing nicely towards the under here you know, I, I would take the over on the Bills at 10 and a half. I, you know, this is a team that won 13 games last year, could have won 14. You know, they only played uh, 16 given the, the DeMar Hamlin game. So that, that, that one could have gone either way, of course, against Cincinnati. But I, I actually like the Bills as a regression team, but I, I think they could still, you know, they could lose two or three wins and still get to 11. Um, you know, I, I kind of view them similarly as I do the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the NFC North, where it's like, yeah, they're, they're not going to get the same luck that they did last year, that the roster didn't really improve, but I, you know, they could take a significant step back and you can lop off two or three wins and they're still, you know, a 10 win team in Minnesota's case or an 11 win team in Buffalo's case. So slight disagreement there, although I think we're, we're on the same page with uh, the Bills not really improving year over year. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with uh, two unders that I'm pairing together. I, I just don't understand why this number is where it is. Uh, in, in one case, there's, there's been a significant development uh, with a, a certain running back who's not going to be there for at least the first four games and perhaps more. The line did not move, uh, probably baked in uh, ahead of time. But the Colts and the Texans at six and a half, I don't think either of these teams get there. I, I think six and a half is too high. Uh, I, I think you know the Colts are bottom three or four team in the entire league in terms of talent. I think the Texans are in that conversation as well. I, I just, I, where are seven wins coming from on this schedule? No, it do, it doesn't make sense for for either of them. Um, you know the re, the Jaguars and the even the Titans like should probably be able to take care of business against both of these teams. I think you know it's telling that the that the Texans uh, are the biggest underdogs on on the week one slate. 
Um, so that just kind of goes to show where Vegas views them right now. Are they going to be able to to make some strides over the course of the season? They are really, you know, starting from from scratch here. Um, C.J. Stroud, if he doesn't have a lot of time to to operate um, with that offensive line, which is probably average at at best, you'd want to say, it, you know, there there could be some some legitimate, you know, rookie growing pains for him, especially when he's coming from you know an Ohio State setup where everything was basically on easy mode um, right. for him. There, there's there's no um, harder mode on Madden than being a rookie quarterback for the Texans. I, I don't think so. Um, that's going to be tough for them. And then Indianapolis, yeah, they're, they're just self-destructing at this point. I mean, they, they've really taken the torch and run with it as far as like worst, uh, like PR off season, um, in, in, a, in a little while. And, you know, it, it continues that that flame continues to burn, uh, with this Jonathan Taylor stuff and boy, um, yeah, I think Indianapolis is, is ripe to, um, mm have one of those seasons where all of a sudden um, they are picking in the top three once again. So the Texans worry me a bit more, not because I think they're a better team, but because they don't own their first round pick. So there's, there's no real incentive for the Texans to go like two and 15 this year. And, you know, maybe there never was because they, they had a chance at the number one pick and, and blew it last year. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's like a fallacy here where, you know, you're, you're in the, the AFC South, you're like, Oh, weak division, you know, that you could add a couple wins, but it's like, you know, if the Colts sweep the Texans or the Texans sweep the Colts, you know, then like one of those teams is going to have basically an impossible chance uh, to, to get to seven wins. And, you know, even if they split, I, I don't think that, um, you know, that really gives you that much uh, of a boost. And, you know, you look at the Texans schedule and it, it's not, it's not that tough. You know, they, they play at Carolina. That could be a winnable game. Uh, you know, they, they're home for the Buccaneers in the middle of the season. You could win that one. They circle your calendar, John, for November 19th Cardinals at Texans. Uh, that, that could be a win as well. But it, Again, like if, if the number was like four and a half, maybe even five and a half, I, I would waffle, but six and a half, I, I just like to, to win seven games in the NFL. Like that's not, that's not a bad team. Like decent teams win seven games every year. Uh, we, we saw a handful of those in the NFC South last year, you know, Carolina, New Orleans, uh, you know, Atlanta won seven games. It's like to me, all three of those teams are are well ahead of, of where Indy and Houston are. So I, I think, I, I think one of these teams could challenge Arizona to be the worst team in the league. And maybe the other, you know, finishes with four or five wins. So that that to me uh, has been a little bit too high all off season. So I'm over on the Falcons. I'm under on the Colts and the Texans. Uh, what is your next win total that you like? Um, so let's see here. So uh, jumping off the the Bills, going to the Patriots, uh, seven and a half. And and they're a team that that's again not very exciting. Mac Jones is the quarterback, maybe the only quarterback that that they have. You know, after an interesting cut down day. Uh, the the other day and you know they don't have much in the way of receiving help but I think they do have a great backfield and I think that their defense and their coaching is going to be something that you know a lot of those coin flip games or, or games where they're you know slight underdogs you still give the the Patriots um, a chance to win those type of matchups so it won't be pretty they, they're not going to be blowing teams out that their you know points differential is probably not going to be particularly attention grabbing anything like that but I think defensively this team is built to be pretty serious and I think that they have enough just kind of like caretaker mentality on offense where Mac Jones just operates doesn't screw up you get Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott going uh in the run game and especially if they're set up in short fields a lot because of the defense turning the the opposition over or you know their special teams are great too with the with the punt returner they get set up in good field position that they're able to just kind of choke teams out basically. So I, th I think it's seven and a half again, I'm skeptical on the bills. So I think that they can at least split with Buffalo, um, maybe go three and three in the division, maybe even four and two. And you know, the, the rest of the way you, you got to like their chances in, in most uh, spots, I, I would say. And, and, you know, the scary offenses of the league tend to be the, the scariest teams overall. But I think when it comes to playing the Patriots, um, they're, they're a team that can kind of put a lid on some of the more elite offenses in the league and, and keep games close. All right. I, I'm going to limit my rebuttal here because otherwise we're going to end up going for three hours, but I, I like your logic with the Patriots. It, you know, I, I feel like they've kind of, they've kind of become like the, the clear fourth team in the AFC East. And I, I don't know that I'm, I'm quite ready to write off Bill Belichick in that defense. I think the offense uh, will naturally be better now that you don't have defensive coordinators trying to run your offense. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, it's, it's probably a stay away uh, for me at, at seven and a half, but uh, I like your logic. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have two more. I'll give one of them and then I'll, I'll save one of them for, for our next section here when we talk about division winners. Uh, kind of the same logic that I just laid out for the Colts and the Texans. How do the Arizona Cardinals get to five wins, John? I, I, don't, I don't think this team is interested in, in really winning any games this year. I, I think they'll, they'll probably do what it takes to position themselves uh, you know, at least late in the year to, to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Even if they don't want to take Caleb Williams, we, we just saw last year with, with the Chicago Bears. I mean, you could get major, major draft capital even if you don't want, you know, that clear number one quarterback and uh, they'll have a decision to make, you know, maybe they, maybe they do go in that direction. Maybe they move on from Kyler Murray. Uh, but if they don't, I mean, Caleb Williams is a better prospect than Bryce Young. And I, I think there's a, a bigger gap between him and the rest of the quarterbacks in this class. So there is, there's significant reason if you're the Cardinals to try to get that number one pick and, you know, four and a half is a low number. Uh, you know, there's a reason it's set that low. It's, it's relatively rare, you know, for a team to, to win two or three games, but um, you know, unless, the Rams really go in the tank and, and they maybe pick up a win or two there. Uh, you know, I mentioned they do play the Texans. That, that could be a 50, 50, uh, you know, they get the bears late in the season. We'll, we'll see where they're at, but it's not like the Cardinals have an easy schedule by any means. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really see where, where they get to five wins. I don't either. Um, the, and like you said, I think there are political interests that dictate that the Cardinals are, are just not going to be putting a very competitive product on the field this year as they kind of play for, for the 2024 draft um, and, and beyond um, what they, what they end up doing, if they end up with the number one pick, Caleb Williams is looking at them and they still have Kyler Murray. That's going to be one of the more interesting uh, storylines of next off season. I would, I would think. Um, but you know, that there's also a chance where, I don't know, I'm skeptical that Kyler Murray pl- like plays anytime soon and like is, really himself to where they, they can actually be competitive. So I think they're going to let him rest in rehab, like well into October, maybe even November. And at that point, you know, if they're, you know, winless, it's like, what's the point of Kyler going out there even? I don't think he's playing. Why, why would he play? You know, what, what would have to happen for it to be worth it for Kyle, Kyler Murray to play? Uh, even if he's healthy, like, let's say he's cleared, you know, for week eight, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals at best to be are like two and six at that point. You know, it's like, I, I just don't see why it's worth throwing him out there, jeopardizing your chance at that number one pick. So yeah, I, it's certainly possible he could play. We'll see, you know, maybe it's, it's more of a, you know, showing of good faith, you know, showing of competitiveness for Kyler Murray. I don't, I don't know, however you want to frame it, but I think there is a better chance than not that he does not play a single down this season. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that that's entirely in the, in the realm of possibility. Um, Clayton tune season, sign me up. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, a couple more win totals for you and then, then we'll move on to division odds. Okay. So let's go with uh, the Rams who you mentioned there a second ago. I think that, they are in deep trouble. I think that, that that's a non-competitive roster that just has a couple of stars still remaining on it with, with Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and uh, you know Matthew Stafford might be more of like a one of those dying stars. I don't know. I just saw yeah. Oppenheimer um, last week. But, but um, 
Yeah, I think that the Rams, you look at the depth chart, you look at the at everything that they have defensively outside of Aaron Donald, and it's it's really a tough scene. I think the offensive line is is a joke, basically. So there's no guarantee that that any of the their three even good players at this stage uh, stay healthy given given the injury histories there. I think that, that we're in for a long season out in LA for for the Rams. I'm I'm looking at them as more of like a four and thirteen. Uh, type of team so uh, I, I think seeing them at six and a half is a little bit of uh, maybe Vegas deference mm-hmm. to their their uh, you know Super Bowl run from a couple of years ago and then uh, my other one is is the Lions I just wonder if they can handle the limelight I, I wonder if you know with, with, with them having to get to 10 wins they're playing uh, still not not the most difficult schedule in the world so I, I can understand why you know a bit of optimism for for this season you know, they really showed a lot last year relative to expectations. Does it come back down to earth a little bit? Do they regress a little bit? And is the rest of the NFC North ultimately uh, maybe a little bit underrated, whether it is um, that the Packers or the Bears maybe taking a, a step forward this year? That's all it takes for, for the Lions to potentially end up a little bit under this number. Yeah, I've, I've been a little down on the Lions, I think, relative to consensus uh, all offseason. You know, I think it's a team that we've talked about, like they won 13 games last year. And, you know, they went, I think they went, what, nine and eight and, and missed the playoffs. Uh, I, I, I just I don't think they have a ton of depth. I think you're relying on you're relying on a lot of young players, rookies uh, on offense. You know, Jamison Williams, it's kind of looking like this might be at least a, a lost half season, if not a, a lost full season. I mean, there's been really nothing positive coming out of that they don't have really any proven depth that receiver beyond Amon Rase Brown I mean I guess Marvin Jones is now your number two for the first half of the season you, know, you got a rookie at tight end you got a rookie at running back um, you know I, I like Dan Campbell as a guy I, I've always said you know he's good for the league he's not a guy I would want coaching a team that I root for uh, so I, I'm with you on the Lions I, I think they I, I think they're being kind of pushed into a, a limelight position that they have not necessarily earned and you know maybe, maybe halfway into the year I, we look back and the Rams are seven and one and, and we look, we look stupid, but I, I think it's more likely than not that they don't live up to the hype uh, than, than they do. And you, you look at their early season schedule too, John. I mean, they got to go to Kansas city in week one. I don't think they win that game. You got Seattle week two, you got the Falcons who, as you know, I'm high on in week three, green Bay week four, uh, you get Carolina and Tampa next two weeks. Those should be wins, but then you got the Ravens. I mean, they, they really only have, I would say two games that they should absolutely for sure win in that span. So I, I don't think it's a given that they get off to this hot start. And, um, you know, I don't think you want to put yourself in the position that you were in last year where you get off to the slow start and you, you feel like you have to go on this big run over the second half of the season. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And, and, you know, I think defensively their shortcomings last year, they don't seem to be getting penalized for, for that. Like how much improvement can we really expect on that defense? I'm, I'm dubious on that. And they were atrocious last year. And I think that that, it was a bit of a one hand wash and the other, like people got um, so enamored with the, with the lions offense because they basically had to be in shootout mode so often. So that, you know, ultimately there was tons of fantasy production from, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jared Goff was a nice sleeper. Um, and, you know, Jamal Williams led the league in rushing touchdowns, but if the offense comes back down to earth a little bit and the defense doesn't really take a step forward, um, you know, all of a sudden we're back to looking at a pretty mediocre outfit there in Detroit. All right, let's get to division winner odds. I'm going to start in the AFC South, and I'm just going to you know take off my Keenan McCardell jersey, take off my Jacksonville Jaguars Zubaz pants, my Jacksonville Jaguars draft hat, and say that I, I think the Tennessee Titans are the best bet to win the AFC South. I think the Jaguars, as the odds would imply, are the most likely team to win the AFC South. I think last I checked, they were like minus 160, minus 155, depending on the book. I get that. Um, but I, I think we're undervaluing Tennessee here. I think this is a two-team division. I'm not considering Houston or Indy to be remotely in contention for this. I, I think both Jacksonville and Tennessee should clean up on those two teams. And, you know, I, I think you could poke holes in both cases. Like Jacksonville, to me, did not make enough improvements on defense. I think the offensive line is still a question. They were also the second healthiest team in the NFL last season. I mean, virtually no important skill players uh, were injured last year. Now, of course, you add Calvin Ridley. That is a huge, huge boost to this offense. But um, I, I think it, naturally it feels like we're just handing this division to Jacksonville. And, you know, Tennessee, to me, still has the best coach in the division. You know, you, you have a, a proven, you know, decent quarterback, a winner, at least, when healthy in Ryan Tannehill. You have the best running back 
in the division. You, know, you add DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they, they hope that he's kind of their version of Calvin Ridley. Uh, Tennessee is walking a very thin line in terms of injuries and depth. You know, if, if Derrick Henry goes down, they're done. If DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt or, or doesn't fit well in that offense, which is a possibility, they're going to struggle. But I, I think if they thread this needle, it's going to be really close. You know, I, I think Tennessee and Jacksonville could both come in around nine or ten wins. The, yeah, the, the Titans, they that Vrabel DNA is still there. Like, they're still an unpleasant team to be playing against, even if, you know, talent-wise, um, they're, they're a cut or two below, uh, you know, but most teams, or at least the, the good teams um, at, at this stage. And, and it does feel um, a bit uneasy inducing to be like, oh, yeah, the, the Jags are running away with it. I tend to believe that they are, and, and it does freak me out a little bit how much I like the Jaguars this year and how leveraged I am on them. Um, but what I what I keep coming back to with, with Tennessee is the offensive line looks like it's uh, – we, we might be looking at, like, the worst one in the league. And if that's the case and Tannehill's less mobile than he once was or gets banged up, which happens uh, to him, all of a sudden, you know, the, the Titans are in, in pretty big trouble. If, if we have to see any of Malik Willis or, or Will Levis this year, um, then we're looking at a, a pretty rough go for this Titans team. But I think the way you frame it, where the best bet – and you're getting three to one for for a team that that's going up against a Jaguars team that yeah we we don't know how they're going to handle and sustain success exactly, mm-hmm. and the Titans do have the the great coaching staff and Derrick Henry is still uh, a warhorse at this point so it, it's there like you said thin needle to thread but um, you know I I'm staying away from it but I, I see your re- reasoning very well. Okay, uh, sell me on one of your favorite division winner bets. Um, so I like the Dolphins at three to one. Um, you know, as I've discussed, skeptical on the Bills. I think the Patriots will be tough. Um, I'm not ready to to buy in on the Jets. I'm I'm not quite sure that I'm picking up what everyone seems to be putting down th- this week, where it's like the Jets are this year's Broncos. I I, I definitely stopped short of that. Um, but I, I think that the Dolphins really it's a it's a bet that if Tua stays healthy, then we have probably one of the most, if not the most electrifying offense in football this year. I mean, you still have uh, peak Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddles entering his prime. Uh, you have just a track team in your backfield on top of it. Uh, make some additions on the defensive side last offseason. We'll see if some of those younger guys take a step forward this year as well. And, you know, all of that, you know, I, I just don't view the Bills as this prohibitive favorite. And if I'm getting three to one on, on a Dolphins team that, that can score on anybody, I, I think I like that price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just comes down to Tua. If you if you could tell me he plays even 15 games, then yeah, I, I love that bet. But I, I've i stayed away from Tua, and by association, I've stayed away from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in fantasy drafts. I just It's too dicey of a situation for me. It's, it's not something where, you know, he could sustain a concussion – and miss one or two weeks, and then you're, you're back up and running. It's like, if he has one concussion, you know, the, the whole narrative starts up again, and I don't know if he plays again the rest of the season, right, yeah, let alone maybe his career. So I just, there, there's too much variance there. There's too much risk. I, I would still bet the Bills to win the AFC East, but I, I will acknowledge that the Dolphins and the Jets to me are neck and neck. I'm with you. I, it, it feels like you, if you're talking about the Jets, you either have to say that they're going to go like 17-0 and 0, or they're going to go two and fifteen. Like I think we could just come in in the middle and say that maybe they win ten games and they they get a wild card spot. I think that's totally in the cards. Uh, I, I thought they probably won more games than they should have last year with horrific quarterback play. So um, you know, Dolphins versus Jets to me is is kind of neck and neck right behind Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, if Tua stays healthy, then absolutely. I mean, we saw last year this team, the offense can hang with anybody. I, I don't care. You could give me any team in the league, and you're going to be in games with the elites. Uh, because of just how electric and you know the big play potential in that offense. The last thing I'll say about Miami too is I, I don't know that the the door is closed on a Jonathan Taylor trade. It's closed for now, uh, but I think you know once he comes off the pup list, there's going to be increased pressure on the Colts as that week eight trade deadline approaches. Like it's it's very possible to me that um, you know maybe the Colts' asking price comes down a little bit as the season goes along, and the Dolphins add Jonathan Taylor mid season. I, I think that's probably the more the most likely scenarios. Like if Jonathan Taylor plays an NFL game this year I, I think I, I think it's more likely that he plays for the Dolphins than the Colts yeah it, it doesn't feel like he's suiting up for Indy that that's for sure no, and, and obviously Miami made made inroads exploratory uh mm-hmm. trade discussions uh Ursay in his uh very uh coherent way 
uh, just asked for a, a one of the best young receivers in in football. That yeah, so it do, doesn't feel yeah. like it was a hey, totally. Um, you gotta ask. You gotta ask. Make <laughs> them say no. <laughs> Businessman, business hat. Yeah. Um, but uh, some other uh, division winners that that I like. Um, I think there really isn't a bad bet to be made it for the AFC South or I'm sorry, AFC North winner. Um, I, I definitely understand the Bengals as the favorite. My, I like the Ravens at, at plus 235. Um, I think that the offense is going to work with Todd Munkin and uh, we'll, we'll see if the defense can hold it together while Mar- Marlon Humphrey's out. Like, I, I think that um, that that could be a bit of a wrench for them in the early part of the season. Cause we remember that that defense in September last year was horrendous. I mean, they were giving up tons of points, blowing huge leads, all this and that. And that's when they had Marlon Humphrey. So um, that, that could be a, a tricky first month, but I think that the Ravens offensively will be able to kind of uh, go toe to toe with, with a lot of teams as well with the new offense. Um, I don't hate the, the Browns or the Steelers at four to one or five to one respectively. Um, I think the Browns, they are the great unknown for, for this season. Are, are they going to look like what they did from week 11 onward last year, which is a very uninspired team and rusty and clunky? Uh, the, the list of adjectives goes on. Or is it going to work? And is Deshaun Watson going to look like um, what he did back in 2019? Uh, we, we just don't really know. Uh, but if he does, that you have that dynamism, you have Nick Chubb, who I think is you know one of the best, if not the best, run, pure runners in the NFL. You have a good defense. You still have Miles Garrett in his prime. So there's a lot to like about about uh, what the Browns could do potential wise in a four to one. I get it. And then the Steelers, Mike Tomlin. You have some continuity on on that offense with with them keeping the same coordinator. You got Kenny Pickett entering his second year. George Pickens uh, even further removed from his college knee injury. Deontay Johnson should bounce back. Um, I think they have a nice uh, offensive line now all, this, all of a sudden. I thought they drafted really well there. So I, I don't think that there's a bad bet to be made for AFC North winner, um, but my favorite one is probably going to be the Ravens. So. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I think you said it right away. You know, there's not a bad bet to be made here. You could talk me really into any of these four teams. I think Cleveland, Cleveland is the team that I've soured on the most because we have not seen – a single positive thing come out of camp about Deshaun Watson. There's not been one report of him looking like the old Deshaun Watson. And I, I, I'm just starting to, to kind of wonder if that's ever coming back. I think when you, when you go through something as kind of wild and, you know, personally traumatic for him as he went through and look, obviously he brought this upon himself, not, you know, we, we got to give the usual caveats here. Um, right, you know, right. What, he did, what he did was ridiculous, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not supporting Deshaun Watson. But I think if, we, if we're trying to talk about this objectively, you know, you go from being the man, you're on top of the world. You're the, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. And now everybody's against you, right? I, I think it was Bill Simmons on his pod this week, you know, made the comparison to when, you know, LeBron went to Miami and had to, he was kind of forced to become the villain. And he was just like, I, I don't want, I've never been the villain. I don't want to be the villain, but I, I guess I'll be it. And I, I, my guess is Watson's going through something similar, right? Where he's, you know, it, it was it was shocking for a reason when all this stuff came out because he's he's not that type of guy, or at least we didn't think he was that type of guy. And I, I think to to kind of have to reckon with all that while learning a new offense, while trying to justify this crazy contract, this crazy trade, it, it's a lot on his shoulders, man. And I, I think it's very possible that we don't see that version of Deshaun Watson again anytime soon. And if that's the case, you know, then the Browns are are not winning what I think is the most the, the most difficult division in the NFL from the top down. Um, yeah, I would even throw out the Steelers at five to one. I had them on my list. I mean, if you're just looking for value there, uh, you know, they were uh, by some metrics, the healthiest team in the NFL last season. So maybe that comes back around, but um, you know, I've seen a lot of positivity coming out of Steelers camp over these last few weeks. I think they will, they will have a say in this division, but um, yeah, I have no, no issue at all betting the Ravens. You could get them. Uh, I think DraftKings are plus 235. So pretty reasonable value there. Um, all right, we'll go through these these next couple real quickly and then get to some of our player futures. Uh, is there any interest on your end in betting Dallas to win the NFC East, or are you handing this to Philly? I'm handing this to Philly. I could also see um, that it's it's weird because, like, the Giants are an obvious regression team, and, and it's fair to question what Washington's ceiling looks like. So it's like, okay, do the Cowboys just really only have to truly worry about the, the Eagles? But – I don't know. Something's amiss with this Cowboys team. I, maybe it's Mike McCarthy. Maybe it's, um, you know, what, what Dak Prescott is now. Um, are they going to put too much on Tony Pollard's shoulders? Their offensive line is a far cry from what it was a few years back earlier on 
in Dak's career. Um, the defense, it it's a real studs and scrubs type of approach. You have some, you know, true difference makers like uh, Micah Parsons, but you have, um, you know, overall positional units that are um, pretty suspect. So I, I just am, I'm staying away from, from the Cowboys because I, I can certainly understand the potential there, but the, the track record is enough to kind of make me leery of, of putting my money um, it, you know, on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think, you know, if you're doing that, it's just kind of a, you, you know, you have to force yourself to zag against the Eagles and yeah, you know, the schedule comes back around for Philly. They had just a, a ridiculously easy schedule last season. That is not the case this time around. Um, and, and Philly was relatively healthy. You know, you, you had the two missed games for, for Jalen Hurts at the end of the year, but other than that, you know, most of the key skill position guys uh, were able to stay healthy. Uh, let's go to the NFC North real quickly. This is such a toss up to me. You know, we we're both skeptical of Detroit, but on the same token, like I, I don't have a, a pivot that I'm like, you, you absolutely need to bet this team. You could talk me into Minnesota. I think that's probably where I would lean. Um, you know, you could talk me into green Bay, uh, especially with how Jordan love looked in the preseason. And yes, I know it is the preseason. I, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I bet Chicago, that that's probably where I draw the line. I think the bears will be better. I don't think they're win the division better. Yeah. I've- same deal uh, as far as the Bears go. This is a really tricky division to figure out. Like you could see any of the the top three, um, yeah, the Packers, the the Lions, or the Vikings doing it. Maybe the Vikings are, are just sort of the um, the, the gift uh, of this um, particular wager because you can get them at at around three to one. Um, I definitely like that, and I again, I, I definitely am fading the the Lions um, in that respect. So I think yeah, Vikings or or Packers at, at four to one, um, both make, make plenty of sense to me. I, I'd probably um, give a give that slight lean to to the Vikings right now, just because you know Jordan Love has looked good at, in small samples or you know preseason type samples. Uh, I, I'm more, it, I don't love saying it, but like I'm more comfortable with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, for for the regular season, that's all we're asking. You know, yeah, we're talking about it. we're talking about winning the division. We're not asking you to win the Super Bowl. We're not asking you to win a playoff game at home. God forbid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, like we said at the top with the Bills, it's like I, I think the Vikings will regress. I, I you know I'll say it. I'll be the first to say it. They're not going to go eleven and zero in one score games this season. That's going to come back around. But again, you could you could lop off three wins and you know they go ten and seven and that might be enough to win this division. So yeah, I, I think Minnesota is my favorite bet. You, you talk me into it. Let's go to some player-based bets here. We'll, we'll talk awards. We'll, we'll talk some league leaders, um, you know, just some miscellaneous bets that we like, and then we'll get out of here. I know you and I are in lockstep on Justin Herbert. I, I put in the ticket at the Circus Sportsbook uh, over the weekend. Justin Herbert, 12-1 to 1 to win MVP. Yes, love that. I think the, the new offense is going to, you know, kind of I, – I will never understand, maybe even forgive uh, Joe Lombardi for – uh, just making Justin Herbert, who can put the ball anywhere he wants on the field, just making him this checkdown artist. And and I know that last year they dealt with some injury problems at, at receiver. Um, you know, whether it's Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, what what have you. You know, they they were rolling out like DeAndre Carter at points last season. Yeah, uh, I may or may may or may not have had to start DeAndre Carter in in some. Hey, in look, some I, I would leagues. start Josh Palmer in some leagues, so I'm, yeah, I'm right see? there with you. So they, they go ahead, they improve the depth and the downfield playmaking um, ability but by adding Quentin Johnston. Um, Austin Eckler is still a beast. Um, I think that, yeah, this offense basically w- was operating with, with, with a restrictor plate. Now that's gone. I, I really like what Kellen Moore should be able to bring to the table there and open up for Justin Herbert. So, I mean, I think 5,000 yards is is within reach for him. And if the, if the Chargers, you know, just kind of, break the the long trend Patrick Mahomes is yet to lose the 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 AFC West if they're able to break through and they end up with one of the top two seeds in the AFC it's going to be Herbert's Mm -hmm. yeah I I think there's there's room for just a massive progression in terms of yardage in terms of yards per attempt especially in terms of touchdowns Uh, I, I mean this could be the last time in the next decade that Justin Herbert has fewer than 30 touchdowns in a season and you know you mentioned the injuries that receiver Justin Herbert himself was also banged up for virtually the entire season, dealing with that rib injury, probably should have missed time, you know, and just kind of continued to play through it. Never really looked like himself. I, I thought this offense looked like, you know, the Drew Brees Saints for, for, for much of the season. And that is the complete opposite of how you want to run an offense with Justin Herbert. So part of the reason that I like him, and, you know, it, we should say it's, it's going to be so tough these next few years to win MVP because you have so many elite quarterbacks. These guys aren't going anywhere. Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Hurts, Burrow, 
Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, like you're going to have to put together an all-time season to win this award because of how good the other competitors are going to be. But I think where Herbert benefits is he wasn't at that level last year. So it, it's going to feel, you know, if he finishes this year with 47 touchdown passes and he had, what, 25 last year, you know, it, it's going to feel like there was a, a bigger leap maybe than there actually was. Yeah, I mean, we, we, it could end up being very similar to, you know, J, like Jalen Hurts and, and his, you know, vault yes, into, the, exactly. into that stratosphere of being uh, an MVP candidate um, a, a year ago. So I, I think it's all right there for, for Herbert. And I think uh, to, to draw on Bill Simmons a, a little bit more, um, when it comes to Mahomes, like he's set such a high bar for himself that, that there might be, you know, like MVP fatigue eventually for, for him. So I think that yep. even if like, in a, in a vacuum, Mahomes plays at a true MVP level all season. Like he needs to play an MVP season by his standards. Like, so yeah. it, it, the bar is so high for Mahomes to clear and it's much lower for, for these guys. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I think viscerally speaking, you're looking at a Justin Herbert improvement that's perceived as like this seismic event. Yeah. yeah. I, I would also consider Hertz at 12 to one, you know, barely played in the fourth quarter last year, missed a couple of games. I, I think he, to me, still should have won the MVP, but he lost it by missing those games at the end of the year. Uh, I, I didn't think that was entirely fair. And, you know, Mahomes just kind of backed his way into it, right? Like, that's that's where Mahomes is now, where, like, like you said, he's going to need to have an insane season, which he's very capable of, to win MVP because he's already got a couple. But he also is in the, you know, Tom Brady got a couple of these throughout his career. He's in the zone where it's like, all right, if nobody else separates themselves, he'll, he'll just be the default. And uh, to mm-hmm. me, that's what happened last year. You know, as soon as Hurts missed those games at the end of the year, it was like, well, I guess we'll just give it to Mahomes, you know? So he's, he's, he's sitting in a pretty good position. You, you want to be that guy uh, who just ends up being handed the MVP if nobody else takes it. Um, all right, and any other awards bets that you like? Um, let's see here. So I, I like um, I like the Herbert one, and I'll raise you Trevor Lawrence to win MVP at 1,600. I think a lot of okay. very similar uh, narrative-driven things uh, can, can be attached here. Um, you know, Lawrence, I mean, I think – when we're doing this podcast this time next year, I think that we're going to be talking about Lawrence as the second best quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes. And I think that we start to see that leap really materialize this year. I think the Calvin Ridley edition is colossal. I think that the Jaguars should run away with it, with the AFC South. Will they TBD? But I think that the pieces are there in place. And I think that Lawrence so much so it is going to be the driving force behind the Jaguars getting back to the postseason. I'm really not, not trying to mush your boys here, but I, I really do feel like like Lawrence is he's that guy. And the like you gotta just completely erase the the rookie season with Urban Meyer uh, out of your memory. Um, because I think what we saw, especially in the second half last season, that's this that's the start of you know a, a superstar yep. quarterback in the NFL. Oh, my Lord, I hope you're right. That was beautiful. Everything you just said for the last two minutes. That's that's music to my ears. Um, I, I hope you're right. I, I think I think you can be right. The reason I wouldn't bet uh, Trevor Lawrence is I, I don't think they're going to have enough wins. You know, I, I just I think the schedule is too tough. There are so many brutal games on that schedule. And I, I think for Lawrence to win it, even if they have, even if he has the numbers, I think they probably need like 12 wins, you know, because, again, the field is so deep that one of those other quarterbacks is going to be on a, a 13, 14 win team. And if the Jaguars win the division at like 10 and seven, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think I, I could see him winning it two years from now. I, I think we're, we're still maybe one year ahead of schedule on Trevor Lawrence, who I will remind you was, was pretty bad for like the first eight games of last year. So as you could tell, I'm trying to hedge my uh, like my mental health uh, essentially, and, and not, not dip my toes in too far on the Jags until I actually see it. Um, okay. I'll, I'll run through a couple of my other ones real quickly. Um <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know where you can where you can bet this, but the odds are up. Damar Hamlin for comeback player of the year. He, he's not he's not not winning it. He, he's going to win. It. All he has to do is he just has to play like one down, and that's it. There's a yep. reason he's like minus three hundred. He's minus three fifty at FanDuel. Uh, kind of a loaded field, sneaky loaded field for comeback player of the year. But uh, you know, Damar Hamlin has a narrative. Uh, you know, I'm saying this somewhat in jest. There's not a lot of value in betting him at minus two seventy five at that MGM, but I just don't see him losing it. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll end that one there, but I'll throw that out. Um, NFL interception leader to me is, is always uh, an interesting one. And, you know, we have a great breakdown of this over at Rotowire. You can find, you know, comparative odds between all the major sports books over on our, our sports betting hub on rotowire.com. There are a few names that I'll throw out. Kirk Cousins at 12 to one. He was right there last year, just missed it. Uh, Jordan Love 
at 12 to one and CJ Stroud at 14 to one. Uh, the key for me is, you know, some people like to say, Oh, Baker Mayfield, or, um, you know, I don't know, Desmond Ritter or somebody like that. It's like, you got to pick somebody who could throw 20 picks and not get benched, you know, uh, somebody that has to have job security, somebody who's going to be able to play through mistakes. And, you know, the Packers aren't going to bench Jordan Love. Uh, the Vikings aren't going to bench Kirk Cousins. And I don't think the Texans are going to bench CJ Stroud. So um, I, I think Jordan Love's probably my favorite of those three, uh, just, just because you know of the unknown. I know he looked good in the preseason, but I, I think those mistakes are inevitably going to come. And, and then the case for CJ Stroud is that, you know, Davis Mills, and Kyle Allen combined for the most interceptions through 17 games last year. Had they been one quarterback, uh, then, you know, Texans quarterback basically led the league <laughs> in interceptions. So if CJ Stroud could just, could just do what they did last year and play all 17 games, I think he has a real shot. Yeah, Str- Stroud, I mean, wasn't his first pit, uh, throw in preseason an interception or like on his first series? His first drive. I, I think it was his like second or third throw, but yeah. So there, there's going to be a lot of mistakes made. And, and um, you know, it's a receiving core that's, probably not going to be giving him a ton of help. Yeah. I, I like Stroud. And I, I think that Jordan love has that, that kind of wild gunslinger ability or a uh, mentality. And I think he's going to be just, there's going to be so many times this year where he just hangs a deep ball right. and uh, like a safety just camps under it. Like, and it almost looks like he's about to return a punt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think you can get away with those throws to some degree. I, I you know, the talent certainly is there. I, there's no question about that, but um, yeah, the risk taking. And again, I, I don't, you know, I think Jordan Love is going to get every chance he can this season to prove that he's the guy. And, you know, even if he throws 10 picks in the first 10 games, they're, they're not going to bench him. Um, offensive player of the year, kind of kind of a weird award. It just feels like, you know, kind of like the alternative non-quarterback MVP. I, I don't have a super strong lean there. I mean, Justin Jefferson feels like he could win this every year. You could get him uh, around 14 to one. Uh, he's 13 to one at Ben MGM. I think Christian McCaffrey is actually a pretty solid bet, 15 to one at that MGM. Obviously you need him to stay healthy, but I think if he plays 15 plus games, um, you know, I, I, that's probably enough. And you know, we, we saw what he could look like in this offense over the last half of the season last year. So getting a player like that at 15 to one for this award, to me, that was the best value uh, that jumped out. I like Nick Chubb uh, for similar reasons. I, I think that uh, this, this has the potential to be his best pro season. Um, I, I think not just only it, it's hitting in the right time of, of his, um, you know, career peak, um, but I think the Browns should be better this year. And I, I think that also when you remove Kareem Hunt from the equation, like we should be seeing Nick Chubb push for like 350 touches combined, maybe more um, with, with a lot more pass catching utility. And I, I think adding that to, to his repertoire while also potentially winning the, uh, the rushing title that's going to, I mean, Justin Jefferson can absolutely absolutely do what he did again last year, and that would win him the award going away. But if Chubb is able to, to meet those thresholds, which I, which I think are very attainable for him, then I think he's going to have a really, really strong case. So 18-1 to for that, I'd be, I'm willing to throw down. Yeah, I, I like the logic there. Uh, no, no, no pushback on my end. Uh, I'll also throw out Derrick Henry. Six to one to lead the league in rushing yards. I think if he stays healthy, he does it. It's it's as simple as that. And uh, you know that the health is is a growing concern as he he nears age thirty. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line's not good. The yards per carry have been down. I, I understand all that, um, but six to one uh, for a guy who to me is like a near lock to do that. If he just stays healthy, I'll, I'll take those odds. Uh, any thoughts on offensive and defensive rookie of the year? Uh, you, you're you're a little more plugged in on on the college game and the draft these days than I am. So uh, there are a couple that that stood out to me. I I think that for defensive rookie of the year, I'm more attuned to kind of take a a longer shot. Like I'm not willing to to bet the prohibitive favorite on that one, which is understandably Will Anderson. Um, I don't think Jalen Carter is going to be able to rack up the the statistics necessary to to keep him in contention. So at seven to one, that's an easy fade for me. Um, Tyree Wilson have we heard anything about Tyree Wilson this entire offseason? Like he gets drafted and then like, he's like off in a vortex. Like I, I just, I don't see it. And I was already skeptical of, of him um, where he went in, in the draft. So out there, Devin Witherspoon off to a really bad start in, in Seattle from the sounds of it. Um, so dubious there. I know a corner can win it. We saw sauce Gardner. So if I'm taking a corner to do it this year, I think Emmanuel Forbes is interesting at two at a plus 2000 over at DraftKings. Um, I, I think that he's a 
very sticky guy in coverage, and he was legendary for his ability to run interceptions back for touchdown um, during his time at Mississippi State. I think he has the speed and, and the skill um, to you know transfer that over to the NFL side of things. So if we're talking about a guy that has like two pick sixes and otherwise has like a really strong rookie season, he's going to be right there. And I like Nolan Smith because I think that there's untapped pass rushing ability when it comes to Nolan Smith. I think his role was a lot more about setting the edge when he was at Georgia and less so about, you know, like kind of unleashing him um, in the pass rush. And when you look at what he did at the combine, and then you you look at the Eagles and how they're probably going to use him as like just a pass rushing specialist. I mean, it could, and if Derek Barnett uh, is suddenly gone, you know, you have all these edge snaps to give to Nolan Smith. And if Nolan Smith, again, with my skepticism on, on Tyree um, and uh, Will Anderson to, to a lesser extent, if Nolan Smith leads the rookies in, in sacks he's going to have a great case as well. And I think it's totally possible with that Eagles defense, like where everyone else is just eating up space and he's just freed up to go ahead and get the quarterback. Yeah. Maybe gets that Eagles defense bump, you know, should be a good team. That doesn't always matter. Usually doesn't matter at all for, for rookie of the year, but um, certainly doesn't hurt. I think if you're doing that for a team that's in the Super Bowl race uh, real quickly on offensive rookie of the year, uh, what, what's yes. who's winning it and what's your favorite bet? Um, so it, it's going to be tough to, to beat out Bijan. So the fact that we're still getting him at three to one, I, I say, you know, go ahead and, and try to get that before um, those odds shift. I think he's just that dude. He's going to be crazy. He's going to get all the opportunity in the world this year. So many touchdowns, catches, rushing attempts. It's all right there. So three to one, love that. But I think if you want to go a little bit further down the board, Zay Flowers at 18 to one. Um, I think he's going to have a starting role. I think that's an offense that's going to be throwing it a lot more. And I think that he has the best run after catch ability of anyone on the Ravens. So I think they're going to get the ball in his hands. He's going to have some real crazy highlight type of plays. Um, And I'm not convinced that he really, he might enter the season as the number four in the pecking order for targets in Baltimore. But do we really trust Odell and Rashad Bateman to stay healthy all season? Not necessarily. So I think that Zay Flowers, um, that, that target ceiling, is a little bit understated. So 18 to one, I like that. And then Zach Charbonnet, 50 to one. Um, Whoa. I, Whoa. It, that, that's just a, a number that's colossal for a you know, situation where he enters the backfield. I think that he's at least as good as Kenneth Walker, maybe even better. And I think that Kenneth Walker's showing some kind of concerning durability issues uh, early in his NFL career. Mm-hmm. So I think it, initially, you know, this might be a 60, 40 carry split, and if Charbonnet is outproducing Walker, he takes over that number one role. And all of a sudden, you know, you, we have a good competitive Seattle Seahawks team that runs the ball well with Zach Charbonnet kind of leading that charge. You know, I, I think that that, that that certainly helps the case. I, I don't think that he's going to win it necessarily, but at 50 to one, I'm, I'm willing to throw a little bit of pizza money on that. All right, we'll end on a high note here and go back to the Jags. Uh, I know you have two Calvin Ridley props that you like. I do. Um, I like Calvin Ridley over five and a half receiving touchdowns. Uh, oh, that yeah. one feels like a slam dunk to me. And you would have to get suspended basically in, in uh, October for, for that not to come in. And I like Ridley to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. That's plus 2,800. So those, that's a worthwhile gamble for someone who I think is really, again, going to elevate this Jaguars offense. And I think that, you know, his skill set, like he's ready to go. I, I'm not worried about the rust when it comes to Calvin Ridley. I think he's shown that there is no rust and he's back to that guy that we saw back in like 2020 and the guy that, you know, entered that 2021 season as like a mid second round pick in fantasy drafts. And that it's kind of where he's corrected to in, in the draft markets at, at this stage anyway. Make sure you shop around as always. The number is five and a half touchdowns for Ridley at FanDuel, six and a half uh, at BetMGM, obviously you're you know you're getting plus odds at BetMGM versus um, seeing minus one eighteen at FanDuel. But um, you know again we we have fantastic pages over at RotoWire.com. Just navigate over to the sports betting section, head over to NFL, and you can see breakdowns of where the odds come in at every sports book for virtually every prop available. Uh, our, our tech guys have done an incredible job populating that page. John, I'm so so glad to be back doing this pod with you every week. Very much looking forward to breaking down Week One. Uh, a week from now. Uh, of course, we, we will not be covering the Thursday games in those pods. We'll recap 
uh, the Thursday game when we record on Fridays, but uh, our focus will be on the Sunday slate as well as Monday night football. Uh, again, really, really jacked uh, to, to get this going again, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, so uh, everyone can drop their thank yous in, in advance for the, those futures tickets, or you can just save them in your drafts uh, for February. Just remember to, to send them over um, at that time, but we did, we just printed mm-hmm. pure gold there for an hour. So again, thank you. I'm, I'm jazzed for the season. I think I'm even more jazzed now that we got this first episode out of the way and we're, we're ready to, we're ready to go. We're locked in. We're mid season form right out of the jump. Let's go.